Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to Get Out the Vote Weekend. We have our full panel with us, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is here. Rebecca! Hi! Rebecca's all dressed in black like me today. (laughs) That's not how we're feeling, though. We'll get around to that. Also, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert! Good day, everyone, and I'm I'm not dressed in black, so I'm more optimistic. So, anyways, we're we're excited. It's Get Out the Vote weekend. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the elections and things related to the elections. We'll be joined by Sarah Godlewski, that is our state treasurer candidate and Citizen Action member from the Western Wisconsin Co-op. We're really excited to have her. We'll have her at the end of the show. Um, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, including also Citizen Action. We released a report yesterday around healthcare in particular, showing how much people could save if we actually had a BadgerCare public option and also demonstrating that uh, we're still paying a lot more than Minnesota for health care. We're going to start sort of picking up a little bit where we left off last week, talking about um, how we we really saw what was going to happen with the Republicans and going extraordinarily negative and particularly around immigration. So we want to talk a little bit about that, but also just what happened last week in Pittsburgh and Really, this just being, you know, obviously extremely depressing uh, and tragic, but it's it's kind of it's just a continuation of this sort of politics we're in, Rebecca. I mean, it it's and it's playing out right in front of a, a of a midterm. But um, again, uh, to to summarize, right, Pittsburgh, we had uh, I'm trying to remember eleven, what, 11 now. Uh, 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 a Jewish yeah. American slaughtered in Squirrel Hill, the iconic uh, Jewish neighborhood of Pittsburgh, which I'm familiar with since I went to Pitt undergraduate. Um, just the, the worst slaughter of uh, anti-Semitic event in American history, yeah. as far as number of people just suddenly killed. Yeah. Yeah, and it came on the heels of another um, another racist um, gun spree that happened the week before in Kentucky, where to African-American senior citizens were gunned down by a white supremacist. And so I don't think we got to talk about that on the show um, last week. But, you know, this is part of a growing trend that we see, like, locally and globally. Yeah, so, you know, I think this is part of a growing trend, and it's very disturbing. uh, And, you know, for folks who maybe haven't seen the news, um, right, there was this um, huge... Um, hugely tragic and terrible um, shooting at a synagogue. Uh, All of the 11 people were killed. Um, It was not only anti-Semitic, but it was also targeting the shul because they were part of a national refugee Shabbat. So a national kind of day of action, people coming together, old people, young people, families, um, to break break bread and have a meal together. Um, And welcome refugees and you know raise resources for them and advocate for them and it was something that was being sponsored by an organization called highest which is a hebrew immigrant aid society which is one of the oldest um and most important refugee resettlement agencies in the country and it did start um specifically to aid jewish people but you know has really as the world has changed and and the face of refugees has changed has helped syrian refugees helped um 
you know, folks from other parts of the world, their most recent statement before the shooting was about the so-called caravan and that these folks are refugees and that we need to welcome them and how the vilification of them is really frightening. And so it is very much a Jewish organization rooted in Jewish values um, and, and its history of helping Jewish refugees, but has grown to be one of the most important, um, you know, loud-spoken uh, organizations for welcoming refugees, changing refugee policy, fighting back against xenophobia, uh, and doing the direct service work of resettling people, engaging them, integrating them into communities. So it's a really important organization. Um, and actually, my two closest friends would not be in this country were it not for their families being resettled by Hyas. Um, one and her grandparents survived the Holocaust and were seeking to flee Europe, and the other, um, you know, from Euro uh, her her family um, leaving Eastern Europe in the 1990s. And so I think um, that is a really important context, and I think it really shows, um, you know, the cross section of white nationalism that you know. Uh, Jewish people are not considered white by white nationalists, um, but so much of this hatred was concentrated on this shul, not just because they were Jews, but because they were aiding refugees. And right. you know, last show we were talking so much about the refugees who are coming in the caravan, um, you know, up through Mexico right now, and the vitriol from the right, and it really is stirring the emotions of racists and white nationalists and people who are very mentally ill, all while we are increasing their access to guns. I think this person had something like 20 guns in their home yeah. or something outrageous. So it, Well, first of all, thank you for broader history on the organization and, and your connection. It's excellent um, to hear that story. The connection to the immigration is critical, right, in the refugees, because we were talking about that last week. And the pers this, this gentleman who they believe is th the gentleman who did it, was virtually almost unpolitical before Trump in 2016, according to the early reports on his Facebook page and everything, and the direct connect to what we've been talking about in terms of the stoking of this base politically through Trump and how Trump has made this okay, right? Or at least certainly made it where it's, it's, it's becoming a normal thing for people to act out this way, and the direct connect between the caravans and immigration and this issue and the deliberate stoking of it is it just seems so obviously clear and tragic right but this is the politics unfortunately of our time and i would just draw another collection a connection you know i think last show we talked about the pipe bombs that were being sent to folks yeah. um and one of them was sent to george soros and i think that you know there is this drumbeat coming out from fox news and the right wing and from you know the president that vilifies um people in power who are jewish and, um, you know, it, make no mistake, the vilification of George Soros really draws on these tropes and this age-old, you know, Jews are controlling X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and, you know, it really is very dangerous and it's all intertwined, right? And I think, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not like a big jump, right? I think you look at the last campaign ad that President Trump put out and it was Janet Yellen and George Soros and it was global forces are trying to control. I mean, it's like not even hidden. And so I think, you know, there, it really, um, I would urge, you know, people uh, who listen to the show and folks on the left to really challenge uh, anti-Semitism when it shows up in all of its forms because it's so dangerous. And even, you know, discrimination that claims that people are doing well, it's not a good thing. It actually is a thing that leads to, um, leads to tragedies like this, I think. I mean, Rebecca said it so well, I'm not going to add anything to what she said about 
what's happening with anti-Semitism and how it connects into white nationalism and the Trump movement. And I would add the whole modern conservative movement in this country. They've prepared the ground for all this hatred. And the Southern strategy was about literally uh, getting the racists, right? So not all, not like the line, not all Republicans are racists, but all racists are Republicans is, is apt here. And that's been a deliberate strategy to hold power. Um, and Trump is just, I mean, Trump is just clearer about it in a lot of ways. Uh, but he's stoking up, this is proto-fascism to the extent that he's stoking up uh, fear of the other. So Jews are the other. Uh, immigrants from Central America are in Mexico are the other, right? And there are other others, obviously, and to hold power. And this is, this is an old tactic. It goes way back in our history. They didn't invent it. But we thought somehow we were advancing by the 1970s, 1980s, where we were going to become a different kind of society. And now we've seen that there, the arc of history is not straight upward. And this is a return to things, the kind of things we saw that led in. It's not fat, full out fascism yet, but this is exactly the same kind of approach to politics and to othering that led to fascism. That's why I say it's proto-fascism. And the problem is, is that and this is where anyone who, who wants to claim there's some moral toward of conservatism needs to stop trying to hold power through Donald Trump because he's doubled down on this. Uh, he, he, right after the pipe bombings, he was going to change his tone, which he thought meant saying things without yelling as much. He kept joking about, I'm trying to be nice when he was out in Menasha here in Wisconsin. Was it Menasha? No, it was, um, it was in central Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It was in the Wausau area. Uh, so, and I know we're about to run out of time, so we should briefly, after, after the break, mention that the latest, I mean, there was the sudden Trump announcement that he was going to rescind the 14th Amendment, guarantee of birthhood citizenship. Uh, through an executive order, which is an absurd proposition. And of course, dictators just do things, right? And the second thing is, there's an absolutely hideous anti-immigration ad that Trump tweeted out, which has a has a has a, a scary murderer and then hordes of people storming uh, fences and the like, and saying the Democrats going to let all the murderers in who are killed our people. Uh, that's the heading, and uh, Trump. Uh, tweets out, it's outrageous that Democrats are doing to our country, vote Republican now, vote GOP, is the Trump tweet with this heinous video. So this is exactly, this is going to create more of the kind of violence uh, that Rebecca just talked about uh, in Pittsburgh. We'll talk more. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We were talking about our broader politic right now and uh, in the world of Trump and what uh, went on in Pittsburgh last week. And and we want to talk a little bit about also, Robert, you mentioned this uh, in the previous segment, um, Trump this week uh, trying to basically get rid of what it, the fort, which amendment I'm trying to remember, the 14th Amendment, right, that allows basically citizenship if you're born in this country, uh, you know, quite frankly, something that we and, all consider to be a bedrock right and now. And its purpose was to overturn the Dred Scott decision, which said that no African-American can be a citizen or have any rights uh, before the Civil War. So that's why it's so broad. It's literally one of the key anti-slavery and uh, creation of citizenship for African-Americans amendments. There were yeah. three of them after the Civil War. I mean, you can only imagine the slippery slope if, you know, being born here then, like, doesn't get you citizenship right like what does um 
of course, this is ridiculous, and uh, he thinks he can do this through an executive order, even Republicans, Paul Ryan, others, uh, criticizing him. Rebecca, I want to get your thoughts on this. Oh, man, what are my thoughts? Um, well, and then, of <laughs> course, right, how this, what we do need to transition back to, right, is how this, of course, plays and connects into our politic, right, yeah. that we're all mm. about to immerse into and in getting out the vote this final weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is so shocking. And so it, at the same time, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. And yet it's just so shocking. It's such a part of what, we, you know, we are raised to believe it means to be American, that if you're born here, you belong in this country. That's not true everywhere in the world. And it's one of the very unique things about the United States. Um, and it's something that, you know, now he's going directly after this amendment. But you know, it's it's not the first time that the Trump administration has tried to go after folk citizenship. If they were born here, there are folks who've been born along the border and um, the whole um, issue, policy issue there that we don't have time to get into. But, you know, I think uh, it's really shocking. And I think, you know, when we tie it back to what we talked about last segment, where we have a growing xenophobic, racist, white nationalist presence in this country stoked by the president and the highest people in power, um, it really is alarming, and I hope that um, people listening are as alarmed as I am because I really feel strongly that, and this is simplification, it's not totally true, but, you know, Donald Trump is president because Scott Walker is governor, and Scott Walker is polling even with Tony Evers, and we can win this race. And so as somebody who um, has family and friends who don't have the luxury or, or pain, whatever you want to say, of living in a battleground state whose votes don't count because of the way this country is set up for presidential elections, there's a tremendous responsibility for people here, not only to vote, but to knock on doors. And I feel like a real rising alarm um, with this, with, you know, and we'll, we'll talk probably more in a minute about racism as it's showing up in this campaign with the terror attacks from Charlottesburg to Pittsburgh to Kentucky last week. Um, and so if you're listening, I I'm going to be knocking on doors until polls close on Tuesday. And I really think it's that important. The entire country, the entire country is relying on folks here to not only vote, but volunteer. Yeah. And I brought this up last week, right? that they were going to go after this to try to get the base, right? This is a base election because it's a drop-off. Folks, the Marquette poll, it, it showed it, right? Like, the energy is with Democrats. The more you get into registered voters, it actually helps Walker. And part of this is just because this is an interesting, it's an odd electorate. But the energy is definitely overwhelmingly on our side, and they're trying to change that on their side. And that is why it is so important, as you said, that we do everything we can to get out the vote here. Robert. Yeah, and I know we should get to Wisconsin, but let me just say the ad, which was paid for by the Trump campaign we talked about in the last um, segment, is the smoking gun. I know it's not the same as murdering people, but this is directly from Donald Trump and his campaign, specifically no, no discussion of how the emotions led to someone to do something, right? And it is the worst thing since the Willie Horton ad. And it's Trump worse. tweeted it out. It's worse. It's worse. It's way worse. And you have, I'm sure you have tons of Republican congressmen and U.S. senators who are privately saying this is awful and they wish it wouldn't happen. They're all happy to get reelected based on it, aren't they? So they're complicit, too. And so if the Republican Party, which has gotten its tax cuts via this instrument, Donald Trump, has any moral soul at all, and I don't think it does, but if it does, I'll be pleasantly surprised, then these folks have to have the courage to uh, condemn this because this, this is what leads to mass violence, this is what leads to fascism, this level of othering. 
And the media, I totally sympathize with all the media folks who are appalled by being called enemies of the people and pointed out at Trump rallies, including this week. But they need to get a clue that their profession, the profession of fact-gathering and presenting facts to the public, is contrary to what the conservative movement and Donald Trump need to hold power. And therefore, yes, you are the enemies of this movement, and that's a fact. And you need to report that rather than continuing to fall in to the tired, tired old journalistic canon that there's truth in both sides. Well, there really is a problem with immigration, and maybe Trump's expressing it in an extreme way. No, this is about... Uh, hatred, sowing hatred for personal gain, and that is the really the root of of most of the the evil in human history. To be honest, yeah, I really I'll just say one, once more I feel rising alarm, and I felt this way for a long time. And you know I wouldn't be here if we weren't in such a dire situation. Not because I don't love Wisconsin; it's lovely here, but because my family and friends are not here. And, you know, the, uh, the victims of Pittsburgh, one of, the, one of the people killed, their name was Bernice. That is my mother's name. My mother goes to shul. My sister will go. Like, could have been any, my grandmother, when she was alive, would go. Like, I just, like, it, it could have been anybody I know. And I feel rising alarm. And I know that that is true, very much so, for people of color, for trans folks, for, for, peop for people who are working poor. Like, throughout this country, there's, like, rising alarm. There's so much at stake. And so it really, like makes me crazy when I deal with the silliness on the left of organizations not being able to work together because of egos or people like not able to volunteer because they're going to a movie maybe and there's a lot of great stuff happening at the film festival I'm not talking about <laughs> that but like You're you right. know it's just like I yes. feel rising alarm and we're gonna talk about the poll but is dead even like Everyone should be knocking until dark every night. We should be calling. We should be texting. We should be talking to every single family and friend. Like every moment, every spare moment of the next several days should be to win this election for the soul of this country. Like it is really that serious. And I just, I don't know how to convey this to folks. Um, well, look, I think you've done an amazing job conveying it today because you've told a personal story about how all this connects to you. And for people who don't know, I met Rebecca <laughs> over lunch. She had come in to, to, for an interview to, to see if she wanted to come to Wisconsin and get a job with the Working Families Party. And she talked about this, talked about wanting to be in a place where we were going to be on, you know, on the front lines of what kind of America we were going to have. And that was why it was so important for Rebecca to come here. And so she's serious when she says, right, like, that we all need to do our part. So I'm inspired. Please, I'm please. super. I'm super inspired. I was already inspired before this. I uh, before we got here, but this has uh, even made me uh, more more excited about going up to. I'll be in Black River Falls this weekend, and Hickston, and a lot of small towns, helping Jeff Smith and other Democrats. Robert. And let me just do one quick closeout that transitions to Wisconsin. Uh, as a lot of folks know, on on Battleground Wisconsin, um, our Milwaukee organizing co-op and citizen action has a project called Radioactive, and part of the thing it's doing is trying to monitor right-wing radio. So they were good enough to monitor what local Milwaukee right-wing radio was saying about the hatred and the violence. Oh my God. And just so you know, that transitions into the defense of Walker and Rothman and everyone else here. Uh, like Dan O'Donnell, who they monitored, 
uh, claims that left-wing violence is just the same and just as prevalent as right-wing violence, so just look at there and gives examples. Uh, the statistics are that almost a vast majority of the violence in this country is not by people from Muslims, is not by liberals, very small amount by liberals, it's by right-wing extremists, okay? Um, and that uh, Trump is rightly calling out the lefty media and that uh, that basically, and, and also that Democrats mostly usually blame the guns, but now they're being hypocritical because they see political gain in trying to blame the right for the motives of the people. So it's all but the false equivalency that somehow, nothing to see here, uh, that Chuck Schumer and, and Nancy Pelosi are saying evil, hatred, hateful things that are causing people to be killed. It's just not true. They're just facts here, unfortunately. It's just not true. Uh, but you know, the whole right-wing media establishment funded on our public airwaves by big media corporations that are spewing out this stuff every day to try to defend it. And by the way, who make almost all of the profits and money off of these ads, these disgusting yeah. ads, right, that... I mean, it's just, it's tough. There was, I was seeing an article um, about folks early voting, and it is worth mentioning we, we are going to have record numbers of early voting, at least as it relates for an off-year election. Thank right? goodness. Yeah. Um, which I think is good to know. Um, but a lot of the folks who were voting early were just saying stuff like, I just need this to end. These ads are just, they're disgusting. I'm tired of the election, right? It's big media, the same people who, you know, Robert, you're saying need to stand up here, yeah. who are benefiting and profiting Their from all of the these ads. The big media ads, corporations, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, we need to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're going to talk a little bit about GOTV here in Wisconsin, get out the vote. And uh, the Marquette poll, <laughs> yes, Robert, you didn't think we would get through a whole show that had a Marquette poll that came out the week before the election, which I don't think there ought to be a poll that comes out the week before the election that has as much bearing as this uh, poll does, uh, but it did. And fortunately, it came out and showed that nothing's changed. Uh, we're tied. <laughs> we're right. It, it's finally <laughs> accurate. It's a toss-up. Thank you. Yeah. We, we didn't need the new poll for that. And and Tammy continues to hold uh, about a 10-point margin, right, which has been pretty much all the way through. So I'm going to kick this conversation of the poll off by a couple of things that are underlying it or that we see in it that um, maybe hold some keys. Uh, one of them is just on issues, uh, health care and education, runaway dominant issues, and uh, dominant issues for Democrats. Uh, jobs the other way around. Uh, but one thing that we've talked about that's also interesting, and I know Robert uh, saw this in the numbers yesterday, um, we have talked about one of our concerns with Tony is that he's underperforming, obviously, where Tammy is, right? And you can see that in, uh, uh, in the numbers, particularly w w when you look at people of color. Um, he is performing much worse than Tammy is um, and this is not a surprise. We have talked about the fact that people in Milwaukee, in the African-American community, in the Latino community, just Tony, he, he's not well known. And his campaign necessarily hasn't been there. It wasn't, it wasn't a part of his primary focus. So that, that is very much in the numbers, Robert. Well, just to right. So the, the numbers are clear that uh, his numbers are shockingly low. It's 53% among people of color who are strong Democratic voters. Um, I think there's one other thing, in addition to what Matt already mentioned, that we should be thinking about. 
and that is, is that uh, there's a federal issue uh, that this is not a federal issue, it's a state issue that may impact this. Look, the school voucher program was designed as a way to pull pull African-American parents towards conservatives. And Latino. And so, but, but African-American and Latino, and we don't know to what degree that they are micro-targeting a tax that you're going to lose your school are part of this. Now, so that is so that's part of the problem with allowing the voucher system to expand in the first place. It's all been set up as a ticking time bomb that's designed to try to break up the Democratic coalition, and that may be one of the factors, not just Tony's charisma or his ability to connect with people of color voters. I'm not sure that our couple doesn't dig in that far, but that that's not an issue in the U.S. Senate race. Yeah, it's certainly a part of it. We have heard from our uh, canvassers and folks who've been out in the uh, Latino wards here in Milwaukee that. Um, they're not performing as well as the African-American wards are, and that vouchers has come up. So it has come up on the doors as why people are supporting Walker. So um, that is real. But, you know, he's still underperforming Tammy, right? So there's a dynamic there that I think is is somewhat particular. And I know that vouchers is a state level that's federal, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, um, there is something there. And we've heard it from people, just concerns around just sort of the Evers campaign and its ability to actually connect and, and resonate with uh, people in, in the city of Milwaukee and uh, people of color. And and there hasn't been like some massive presence of Tony. I'm not going to say he's hasn't been here because that's also not it's, true. But like it's... It's not just presence, right? It's what he's promising. So maybe in education, if he could make a compelling education message about how that that connects with people, that I'm going to create first-class schools for everyone, uh, then vouchers might be a little less appealing. This is just depressing, and I think we should just power through for the next few days. I I, I don't know. I think um, the campaign didn't have Spanish language lit until a few days ago. So that might be part of the reason why we're not doing so well in Thank the Latino you. community. Um, but, you know, I think these are all things that we can kind of come together and figure out after the election. Um, I do think that there's been a very concerted effort by the right, um, including Scott Walker's campaign, to target communities of color and suppress the vote on the Democratic ticket. So there have been ads on, you know, Milwaukee Black Radio saying, like, Democrats don't care about you. They've been similar ads. Jesse Rodriguez has um, taped on Latino radio for Scott Walker. Um, There are billboards in my neighborhood, and I've seen billboards throughout the city that are from charter school advocates praising Scott Walker. Um, So I think there's a combination of, like, if... You know, um, Angela Lang from Black Leaders Organizing for Communities uh, says all the time, and it just showed up in the Washington Post, you know, in print for the first time this week, if you want our vote, come get our vote. So there's certainly that. Like, if you want the votes of people of color, you have to ask for them, and you have to show up. And as Robert said, you have to speak to issues that, you know, people care about. But, um, you know, we definitely should not discount the fact that the right, which has more money and more resources, is spending a lot of those money and resources bombarding the radio waves, billboards, th- and and everything else. So, I don't know. That's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so it is what it is at some level. Yep. The, the the election's tied. Tony actually does have some education policies that would make a dramatic difference in education in the city of Milwaukee, where most people of color in the state live. I mean, not all of them, but a, a great majority. Uh, and so it, it, him being governor will be much better. Uh, there's, it's mo- most of their tactics are divide and conquer. There's not some sort of str- – I don't want to overstate this. They're not um, 
armies of African-Americans organizing for Scott Walker or appreciating what he's doing. But this is they're trying to win a very close election. They're trying to div- get enough drop-off, enough divide-off uh, to, to pull this off. And if they win by one vote, then Walker's full speed ahead on his full agenda. There's no notion that he needs to talk to the other, everyone else minus the one vote in this state. Well, and what I don't understand... I, you know, I, again, I don't think it's everyone's working really hard. I'm tired. I had my head on the desk just two minutes ago. I think everyone's tired. Everyone's trying their best to win these races. So I'm not this is not a criticism. But what I don't understand is why I am not seeing more and the country is not seeing more of Mandela Barnes. And it's not only Mandela is not a token black candidate by any stretch of the imagination he is progressive he is dynamic he's compelling he's the future he speaks to millennials he speaks to people in rural areas he won hit the race for lieutenant governor a very competitive you know primary in which he was outspent mightily um he won it in a landslide i mean he is a unifier he is a great candidate um but he is also from milwaukee from the poorest most incarcerated zip code in the state 53206 the most incarcerated zip code in the country he is a graduate of milwaukee public schools he is a former state representative and you know again like i I, you know i don't want to second guess people who are working really hard um and I, i don't know all the dynamics at play but like in my mind in my simplified version of things you know if i were if i were on the inside, I would say I want Mandela on MSNBC and I want Mandela on public radio and I want Mandela, you know, as as out there and forward facing as possible because he's so inspiring and dynamic. And because I think he can speak to, you know, um, some of the voters that we just mentioned um, who who feel alienated in part because he was a representative for many of them. Right. He represented folks in Milwaukee. So anyway, that's so that's my soapbox. Yeah. Couldn't disagree. I mean, agree more. Whoa. Excuse me. Yeah, hot Sorry. <laughs> agree more. Sorry. Wake up. Wake disagree up. with what's been happening. Agree <laughs> with what Rebecca's saying. Uh, but let uh, him being elected lieutenant governor is the best way to get him out there at this point, given where we are in this election. So pivoting to more positive. Yes. Because uh, we need people yes. motivated to work in this election and bring it home. Uh, and we'll have positive in the ne- next segment with State Treasurer Caddy Sarah Lewski. But the big positive is health care. Uh, we've been working for a long time to make health care the top issue. Uh, Citizen Action has been putting out campaign issue, obviously, uh, attacks on Republicans on pre-existing conditions since 2012, because we've known it was a dynamite issue way before it was estab- establishment consultants were putting it in lit and in ads. But it's dominating this election. It dominates in the Marquette poll. By far, it's the top issue. And Republicans, when you win the ideas first, that's when you win the actual reform. You have Glenn Grothman, Scott Walker, Leah Vukmir running around saying that they're for protecting people with pre-existing conditions. It's unbelievable. They're not really. And the public won't really believe them either. But it tells you how desperate they are in this issue. And to add fuel to the fire... Citizen Action put out a report. We'll have links on the in the in the Battleground Wisconsin section of the website, in the main website, that showed that Wisconsin families, well, first of all, were paying about thirty-seven hundred dollars more per year on individual market than Minnesota, which has embraced the Affordable Care Act. So Walker Care versus versus a, prog- a progressive approach like Evers is a huge difference. But second, if we went even further and did a badge care public option, there are families of four in the state 
because we looked at numbers that are pay that would pay twenty four thousand dollars less a year. And that's not a that's not a typo. Twenty four thousand dollars. That's in the Citizen Action Report released this week. You can find it. Stunning how much progress we could make. And you have Walker running around in the debates claiming that he's bringing health care costs down. Unbelievable. But don't despair. No one but his base actually finds him credible on health care. It's why they want to change the subject, but they also want to lie about it so much. So shout out to all, all of those candidates running on Badger Care Public Option. And there's a lot of them out there running for state legislature. Tony Evers is talking about supporting it. We're going to have to first get them to win, and then we'll make that happen. But uh, in particular, I do want to point, uh, make a shout out to Julie Henze, who has been She's in a Republican district, suburban Republican district, and she is running on universal health care and running and not backing away from it in spite of it uh, attacking her. So uh, bravo to her. She comes out of our health care co-op. So really, really uh, want to thank Julie for that kind of leadership as a, as a candidate. And we have time for this, but uh, Dale Koinga, her opponent, says he wants to bring this conditions a lie. Scary thing. Uh, Democratic County Executive Chris Abley gave... Coin got a thousand dollars. Thousand bucks to coin. So we have time for it, but uh, not good. And with that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll have Sarah Gudlewski right after the break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are very excited to be joined by one of our co-op members. She has been on a couple times before, and that is Sarah Godlewski. She is running for state treasurer. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Matt, thanks for having me. Well, we love having you because the first time we met you, we were blown away by you because you basically enlightened, educated us of all the things that the state treasurer could do and has not been doing and why we needed to save the office, which we did, thanks to a lot of your amazing organizing as voters in the spring. But then we've also had you on when you ran for actually becoming the state treasurer uh, before the primary election, which you won. Uh, and so we're thrilled to have you on again to talk to you about what you've been learned since the primary and uh, uh, why, uh, just how you're feeling about going into the election. So how's it been out there since the primary? Gosh, I guess yesterday, Matt, put over 33,000 miles on my car. So we're really embracing the statewide aspect and, and talking to voters. I mean, they're just sick of the financial mismanagement that has been going on. I mean, literally within the last, what, less than two months, we've seen over $47 million missing from the Department of Transportation. We've seen $600,000 that have been overpaid in Medicaid. And then we saw $400,000 double paying a contractor for a state project. I mean, when is enough enough in this kind of irresponsibility of our hardworking tax dollars? And so um, voters are really concerned about that. And we've been kind of talking about how this office should be a fiscal watchdog and providing those checks and balances that are really needed. Uh, Sarah, this is Rebecca with the Wisconsin Working Families Party. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> so um, one of the things that, you know, we want to make sure folks um, tell their friends and family and when they're volunteering is to vote up and down the ballot. I know that you did a great job saving the position of state treasurer. And before your uh, campaign to save our fiscal watchdog, a lot of people did not know what it was. I remember we did that interview back in the beginning of the year. And I imagine that that's still a hurdle. And so I was wondering if you had anything you want to say about that um, and generally on your, your strategy to win. 
Yeah, no, I really appreciate you um, asking that question, Rebecca, because that's something that keeps me up at night. Um, you know, Democrats, depending on the year for races, whether it's state treasurer or attorney general like Josh Call, we can have up to a 25 percent drop off rate for these races. So, you know, people will vote at the top of the ticket or at the bottom of the ticket. But then these kind of critical constitutional offices like state treasurer or attorney general, they'll say, oh, I don't know what they do. And so as Democrats, if we don't feel like we don't know something, we skip it. We don't vote. Well, on the Republican side for these offices, there can be about a 5% dropout rate. Um, and we've seen this in the past. And so one of the things that we're really working hard on is making sure that progressives across the state know about what the state treasurer can do and, and why us. So we're kind of talking about that, you know, we want to be the fiscal watchdog for taxpayers. We're also talking about being that financial advocate. Um, the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, remember, started that agency. Oh, yeah, very um, important. A couple years ago. It's, and it's right, under right. attack, right, by Republicans. Yes, and so here's what's crazy is that at the federal level, so the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau protects citizens against, like, predatory lending and abuses of big banks. So, like, the whole Wells Fargo thing that happened when they were kicking people off the loans or raising interest rates. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, you know, stepped in to, to try to do some things. Well, that's being destroyed by the Trump administration. And so if we don't have an advocate fighting at the state level, um, there's nobody that's going to be fighting for us. So that is something that the state treasurer should be doing is fighting against predatory lending and abuses of big banks. Um, and then, you know, the other big thing that we've been talking about on the trail, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but this office helps to oversee the $1.2 billion common school fund, um, which goes money goes to public schools. And this helps to do investment strategies for that. And so uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is, you know, helping students, for example, refinance their student loans. I mean, that's a critical um, debilitator for young people in Wisconsin because they're paying thousands of dollars in interest and just can't even afford to like think about anything else. So listeners, I hope you are taking notes on what the treasurer does because you're all going to be out knocking doors this weekend. And what Rebecca and Sarah was saying is a real issue. And we need to make sure when, when we're talking to voters, almost as much time this weekend needs to be spent talking about Sarah talking about Josh and talking about the state Senate and state assembly candidates where we live and making sure that the voters know who they are and why they need to vote for them. Because many of these folks you'll be talking to, they know who Tony Evers is and they know who Tammy Baldwin is now. And they, in what Sarah is talking about is critical. So those little tidbits of information are just the kind of things that help folks grasp why this office is so important and why Sarah is so important. Uh, Robert, you were about to say something. I was just going to ask Sarah, um, you know, the biggest new expenditure of public money that is liable for corruption, I would say, is Foxconn. Now, a lot of us here obviously think there are way better investments we could have made in education, health care, uh, the necessary conversion to a green economy to, create a cli to prevent a climate genocide. But since this money is going in, there's this moral responsibility to make sure that the jobs required are created and that they pay the wages they're supposed to pay. Uh, do you see the treasurer's office as a watchdog in that vital area as well? Because it would certainly be a shame if we had another 
thing like with Governor Walker's Weed Act where the money is given to create jobs that are never created or outsourced? Yeah, no, Robert, I think you um, hit the nail on the head. I mean, something that I think this office should be doing is looking at, I mean, Foxconn, there were a lot of parameters put in place, whether it was, you know, how much money they're supposed to be creating and that southeast corner of Wisconsin, how many jobs they're supposed to be creating at what wage level. I mean, I think providing, A, holding them accountable for that, because in the past, we've just been giving companies money without even proof of them adding any sort of economic development value back to the people of Wisconsin, which I think is wrong. Um, and so I think first we got to make sure that they are meeting those requirements before we just give them those tax incentives, but further that they're meeting with just general requirements and paying people well um, and providing transparency and accountability to that. So absolutely, I think that there is a role for this office in, in, in helping to achieve that. Well, Sarah, I, I just want to say uh, one quick thing, which is thank you so much for running. I mean, this has been a long effort, you know, first to save the office and now running for the seat. And I think we have a really excellent shot at winning this race. And it's really because you are running this phenomenal campaign um, you know, on on the issues, on equity. Um, you have been, as you said, traveling all over the state. And it's we're really lucky. And I think there's so much that comes into um, winning campaigns, obviously field, raising raising the money you need to get your message out there, the message itself. Um, but the candidate is so important. And we're just like so lucky that you've decided to take this on. And uh, I imagine it's been like quite the journey. So I, I just wanted to like quickly say that, um, and then uh, just ask, you know, if you had like any final requests of folks who are listening, you know, obviously to vote for you, of course, and hopefully I'll just add to vote early. Um, but, you know, the Citizen Action Co-op members, Working Families Party members, people who listen to progressive radio, you know, what what is it that you want to ask them to do between now and Election Day? Yeah, I mean, we always hear this, but I will say I truly believe this is the most important election of my lifetime. I mean, we can't afford to further cut public education um, to risk not covering pre-existing conditions for health care. I mean, this is all going to be at the cost of working families across the state of Wisconsin. And so we need to be voting up and down the ballot for people that are going to be that are going to be fighting for this. Um, and so if Anything we can do, like telling, you know, a friend or we know the best messenger or your neighbors or people that you uh, grab a beer with. Um, and so just sharing how important this, this is. I mean, polls are tied and we know that they're tied up and down the ballot, whether it's with Tony Evers um, to Josh Call, the attorney general. Um, our race is tied. And so voters can make a difference by coming out and by encouraging their friends. And so um, we really hope people vote early, as you said, Rebecca, but at the very least, they vote on November 6th. So first of all, Sarah, thanks so much for running. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, I want to tell a really quick story to end this about why Sarah is so important. Um, Again, we talked about how a lot of us, we didn't even hardly fully appreciate what the treasurer did, but how you run matters. And Sarah has built relationships with people on the ground. Um, there are candidates. I've knocked a lot of doors for state legislative candidates, and many of them are handing out Sarah's literature because Sarah asked them. Sarah valued them. 
And those relationships will lead to governing and governing in a way that like shares our values. It's more, it's not just about policy. It's about how you organize. And so when I'm out knocking doors for Emily Segrist, she has Sarah Godlewski literature because Sarah asked her, they have a relationship that makes a difference. And I want to support people like that. And Sarah, um, so thank you so much. And we wish the best to you and uh, look forward to governing with you uh, after this election. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for what you guys are doing and uh, spreading the word. So thanks so much. All right. Thank you much, Sarah. So with that, we have to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Again, folks, get out and vote. Uh, we have links to plenty of ways you can get involved in, uh, in this election, this uh, final four days. But we will see you here at the Battleground Wisconsin right after the election next week, and we will debrief next week. Thank you for listening.